The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to have you all, but I'm even more excited for our guest today. He is the founder of Black Canyon, Mr. Peyton Smith. Peyton, thanks for joining us today. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. Super excited to have you on board. I really enjoyed kind of getting to know you even a little bit more right before we hit record. I I love what you guys are doing out there. For those that maybe haven't heard your name or seen your face, this may be their first time. Would love to unpack your origin story, where you're from, how you got into real estate, and where you really find yourself in your real estate career these days. I'm from the great state of South Dakota, a very populated state. And I grew up on a family farm. So I had a background in agriculture. I went to school for agriculture. I actually had an egg business. Did that for a few years, bought a couple fourplexes early on, kind of pushed for my brother-in-law that was a realtor, got me into the real estate investing and partnered up with one of my good buddies who's a home builder. And we started buying properties in South Dakota, just cold calling and finding these off-market deals. And I really started to enjoy that and ended up getting out of the egg business in 2020 and just focusing on real estate, bought my partnerships out at a couple partnerships in the real estate, bought them out. And now we're just focusing on growing the real estate portfolio and starting to work on growing the team as well. Man, that's awesome. I, I say it all the time. I love hearing people's origin stories because it, it always goes to show you that you can come from almost any background and make your way in re- real estate as long as you have the, the right mindset, the right willingness to learn and to really go after it. Uh, and I think yours speaks specifically to that. And I got to say, I think this is the first time we've had anybody from the ag business uh, that made the jump over to real estate. So that's awesome. I always love checking those new boxes. But Peyton, I know we were talking a little bit right before we hit record uh, I can't imagine everything's just been perfect for you guys along the way. I love what you guys are doing, but I, I would imagine it's not always exactly going to happen the way you planned it to. So what kind of comes to mind? What kind of experiences have you had that have kind of fallen into that unsuccess category that have helped propel you and teach you uh, to where you guys are succeeding today? So actually, I just had the idea too, or the thought that when I was telling about the egg background and starting out some opposition I got right away. was even like from my family, like it's different, you mm-hmm. know, like from agriculture, like everyone, you grow up on a farm, like everyone assumes you're going to be a farmer or mm-hmm. some, something involved with egg. I remember buying my first fourplex, my grandpa, he's like 89 years old now, but he had said something about like, you're supposed to be buying farmland, not uh, apartments. <laughs> so it's different. And even right. getting over some of that mental hurdle was big because I bought the first fourplexes and I didn't, I didn't buy any more for probably four or five years after that, just really a side gig. And then I realized later as we started to accumulate more properties that this can be, could be a career, even though we are in the Midwest where we have to go further away from home. I'm in a town of 500 people, which is pretty small. So to do this for a career, you have to get away from home always and it's possible. Yeah, well, and I think to your point, and, and two things I heard there, overcoming the the kind of the culture mindset shift of what you're expected to do is a is a big hurdle. 
not only for just you personally, but from all the outside sources that that surround you, it can weigh people down a lot. And, and those expectations that you're expected to fulfill in your instance, kind of in the ag industry, I'm sure you struggled with, with making the jump. And you even mentioned, you know, you've got to drive further away. You're not close to any right. properties and people struggle with that concept as well as, well, can I do it? There's nothing around me or I can't afford this stuff around me. Can I do it somewhere else? And I love that you were able to push through and find a way to do that and probably and most likely showcase, hey, this is something not only can I do, but I can be super successful at it as well. And look at where you're at now to compared to where you started. Yeah. And even the location, we we realized so we a lot of us have younger families and we don't want to be a home from away from home a lot. So mm-hmm. in 2020, we purchased a small airplane and we use that so that we can basically our target market is anywhere we can get to and back home within a day. So it's just another way to expand our market or our reach and overcome mm-hmm. some of that. So yeah. it doesn't matter where we're at as much. And I, I think that's incredibly unique. I'm, I don't think I've ever heard anybody that owns an airplane. So that's awesome. I want to know who flies it in a second, but it goes back to the idea that cost is kind of irrelevant in a lot of the stuff that that we try to do, as long as there's a return on the, on the capital that you're putting in. So people may hear that, Hey, I bought a plane to get to a place. Well, if that's more economically sound and can generate more revenue for you than having to spend even more hours and countless hours in the car, and not only return the personal capital, being able to see your family at the end of the day, it makes way more sense to do that than to sit yeah. in a car for five to seven more hours, I'm sure, per day. Right. And a lot of people even ask like, well, what's it cost to go here? Or what's it cost to fly there? And we're like, yeah, you could work the math and try to make each trip justify. But we just know over the course of a year, it pays for itself because- right. We might go and meet somebody somewhere where we wouldn't normally drive, say, six hours to go meet someone, but it's an hour flight. We're willing to put that time in to go meet different people. And not all of them are going to pay off, but over the course of a year, it will. And right. we know that. So we don't really yeah, extrapolate all the costs for each trip and you know, really dive into the details. So. Well, and like you said, at the end of the day, you know, it's paying off. It's doing two things. It's helping you get to places faster, which is I'm sure a competitive advantage. And then also it allows you to get back home, which is where a lot of us got into this industry anyway, is we want to be entrepreneurs. We want to control a lot of our own time. And I think we oftentimes will be guilty of being an entrepreneur, but even working even more than we did in our W2 corporate lives, whatever it is because we feel like we always have to be working, but we have to remember the reason a lot of the times that for me, I know, and it sounds like for you, family is incredibly important. So you want to be back home with your family to experience them growing up and bonding together, uh, just as you would want to be successful out on the uh, real estate space. Right. And that's one thing we talk about quite a bit is the ROT. So our return on time that we're getting for the time we put into something and um, that's recently we had the idea we're going to start tracking a lot of people in real estate they track AUM and we're looking at AUM per person at the company it should always be trending up if we're buying an asset where it, say it's a million three million dollar asset and we have to hire somebody a full-time person just to manage that asset then it's going backwards if right now we're at five so right it's just a way that we keep making sure we're focusing on the right areas of the business Talk to me a little bit about that. What 
as you've expanded your business, I mean, you went from owning a fourplex into now expanding the business, you're buying multi-million dollars worth of property. What has that transition been and, and what's really gone into it, it expanding to where you're at today from where you started? Yeah, it's a lot of it is where you spend your time. We try to focus on the 20%. We refer to the 80-20 rule quite a bit. And recently, last year, actually, we started to uh, sell a lot of our smaller assets. And that just came from, it's not a in, in the office meeting. It's just a, a trip we took and where we were just brainstorming and having different ideas and came up with the idea, like we have all these fourplex that I'd bought originally, fourplex that I bought originally. And it's not worth an asset manager's time to look over the P&L for a fourplex when he also has a hundred or 150 unit property. And it takes the same amount of time. So it's kind of a revelation to us. Like we need to make sure what we're spending our time on is worth it. And I think that, yeah, that's helped us scale over time. We don't, I don't cold call on smaller assets as much anymore either, but yeah, it's a lot of, to do with the mindset, how you value your time. And correct me if I'm wrong and don't let me put the words in your mouth, but I, I've heard a lot of people talking about it's oftentimes harder to say no to things than it is to say yes. And the the balancing of time, I think goes talks talks about that a lot is you know the power of no and knowing when to say no and how to say no and moving on from things that to your point are going to be more time wasteful than than time productive. Yeah, I agree. One thing about how I like to get stuff done is I use email a lot. So I, I like to do cold calling, but that's for new deal flow. But I try to transition everything into email. And that seems like it saves a lot of time. You can get bogged down with email too, but I'm very particular about unsubscribing from everything. My email inbox is my to-do list. And I try to be very structured on what I spend my time on. I don't spend a lot of time on the phone with just... Uh, random, I don't know, people that I don't know, or it's, it's focus. It's building relationships on the phone, getting stuff done on the email. And that's kind of what a lot of the guys here do. We're pretty focused on what we do with our time. Well, I would also imagine being that you, you do invest remotely compared to where you guys operate and live. That's helpful too, because you can get things done a lot faster electronically than you're trying to track someone down on the phone, possibly different time zones, all this right. thing, it, you can communicate quickly with something like that. Right. Yeah. And a big part of it for us too, is we don't do the third party property management. So we have, are we, we use, rely on third party property management. So we don't do any of it in-house ourselves. And I think that helps us save a lot of time too. We just, one thing we've learned is to just have, it's better to have a few property management companies that you trust a lot and work with very well rather than a bunch of ones you don't. And that actually kind of dictates where we go right now based on where our property managers are willing to go. That's been part of the shift too, is where they'll go to with us entering these new markets. Yeah, I've heard plenty of war stories now on the show about once you find a property manager that's good and fits and meets a lot of your expectations and works well with your organization, hold on to them for dear life because- you know, there, there are a lot of good ones out there, but there are oftentimes some ones that are not or don't fit the needs that you're looking for. And right. I'm sure there, there's some challenges that you've had along the way of finding the right one before yeah. you landed on the one you currently have. Yeah, I bet. I bet we've had properties where we went through three and maybe even four property managers on 
you know, over a few year period, just trying to get traction. And it's harder to, some of the markets we were in were really small and it's, you know, not many, there's not a very big pool to select from. And um, it kind of becomes just, yeah, who will manage this? Oh, you will come to this market. Great. You got the job, <laughs> but that's not always the best. Yeah. It's better to do your due diligence up front on them and, you know, they say hire slow, fire fast. So yeah, I think it's worth putting the time in up front for those relationships. Absolutely. And, and I think it's the same thing we do when we research properties or markets, right? You do a lot of research on the front end uh, before you start diving in and trying to build those relationships and go find what's right. So Peyton, I think that's probably as good enough spot as ever to wrap up. I, I absolutely love what you were talking about with you know, there's lots of things that we have to overcome in our journey. It can be migrating from one spot in our career to the next, overcoming kind of external voices and sources to, to get there, working out of state and finding deals out of state, balancing time, appropriating your time correctly to make sure you're maximizing your, your productivity. Folks, if you if you need to back this one up, go listen to it because those the bunch of golden nuggets that Peyton was giving us today. Peyton, thank you for joining us. I, I can't thank you enough. For those that maybe want to work with you or invest with you in the future, where's the best place uh, people can find you at? Yeah, probably the best place is either on LinkedIn. You can search Black Canyon or look myself up, Peyton Smith, and or visit our website. It's blackcanyon.com, and that's Canyon with a K. Perfect. We'll drop both of those links in the show notes so everyone can access them super quickly. Again, Peyton, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate the time today. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Absolutely. And hey, everyone, thanks for listening and watching at home. We'll catch everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.